So that was the clip from the movie Better Off Dead. The protagonist, Lloyd, owes the paper boy $2. And the paper boy shows up to demand it, but Lloyd blows him off. And then the paper boy just keeps appearing throughout the movie. Let's show the next one. He just keeps appearing like, randomly everywhere that he's at, demanding his money. I want my $2. Right? That's what happens when we owe money. Someone always comes to collect their payment. So I am two weeks away from graduating with my master's degree from Covenant Theological Seminary. Oh, stop it, stop it, stop, stop it, please stop. So I've been going for two and a half years and I've learned so much about God's word, uh, his character growing in God's grace, learning how to hopefully effectively equip God's people. And I've been doing this through, through rigorous academic work, sitting through class and Zoom lectures with some brilliant professors. I've read hundreds of thousands of pages from church fathers and scholars like St. Athanasius of Alexandria, St. Basil the Great, John Calvin, Herman Bovink, Martin Luther, Colin Gunton, John Wesley, J.I. Packer, and many, many more. I've written thousands of academic, excuse me, thousands of words of academic on academic papers, interpreting scripture, analyzing scripture. And the wages I will receive because of my works will be a piece of paper that tells me that I am now qualified to be a minister of the gospel. But this degree, it is not cheap. It is not free. It comes with a price tag. One that I was unable to pay. At least not all at once. So I took out, bum bum bum, student loans. And I have accumulated debt. And before Covenant, I studied at another institution, Murray State University. And I also took out student loans. And I've been getting emails now. They want their $2, except it's just a little bit more than $2. They want what I owe them. I am in debt and they want their money. And unfortunately, again, it is more than just $2. They want their payments in full, right? They don't want half. They don't want some. They want all of it. They need to pay the money back in full. What about you? Have you ever felt like that? Anybody else got student loans? You gotta raise your hand if you don't want to. But everywhere you go, Right? No matter where you go, the paper boy shows up and he demands his $2 at home, taking a walk, going skiing, even in your dreams, right? The debt collector shows up. He's always looming and the debt just seems to get bigger and bigger. And it seems that we can't catch up. It seems that we can't get away. It seems that we're going into debt, at least as a country, faster than we can pay it off. And this massive debt that we feel can feel like a massive weight that you can't lift. Studies show that people who have debt suffer from depression and anxiety and are 20 times more likely to commit suicide. Currently, Americans owe $1.75 trillion in student loans. Collectively, as a country, Americans, we owe $15 trillion dollars. Credit cards, mortgages, home equity, lines of credit, student loans, and other household obligations. And it is increasing every day. We all have debt, right? And it can feel deflating. It can feel defeating. It can feel strangling. It can feel overwhelming. 
We need some debt relief. Can I get an amen? So we're in a series here at Rooftop called sin. What is it really? Sin can seem like this abstract word that Christians like to throw around when people are doing things that we don't like, right? But what is sin? What is it really? How does it play itself out in our lives? But more importantly, what does Jesus do about it? So in the Bible, the biblical authors use a number of illustrations and metaphors to talk about sin, describe the severity of it, and one aspect that we are going to tackle today is sin as debt. So we sing a song here pretty often. Um, As a matter of fact, we're going to sing it after my message. It's called Jesus Paid It All. So we sing those songs and there's those words, right? And it sounds good, but if I were to ask you, what did Jesus pay? What did you owe that Jesus paid? Why did he pay it and and how did he do that? How does the death of a 33-year-old Jewish carpenter in ancient Palestine on a Roman cross warrant us singing a song that says Jesus paid it all? Hopefully by the end of this message, though, you will have an answer to that question and sing that song with a new perspective and hopefully a fresh, freshly renewed sense of awe and wonder of the cross of Jesus Christ. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches his disciples and those listening how to pray. Okay? He teaches them how to address God as a father. He teaches them how to ask for God's will to be done in their lives, to give us today our daily bread. And the next thing he says is, but, but also he tells us to, to ask God to forgive us of our debts. And the Greek word here is ophelema. Can we get it up on the screen? Ophelema. And so what that word literally translates to is debt. That which is owed, that which is justly or legally due. So in his prayer, Jesus is revealing to us that there is a debt that you and I owe. We legally owe something and we need forgiveness for it. We need some debt relief. You and I, we are in spiritual debt. And it isn't to a paper boy who wants his $2. It isn't even to an institution that wants you to pay your student loans back. But you and I are in debt to God. God is holy, God is perfect and just, and he has given us in his kindness and his mercy and graciousness, he has given us his law, his way to live life, his way to do things. And what have we done? We break it. It is the law, it is God's law that has been broken and it is a legal debt now that we owe to God. Because of our sin, because of our lust, our anger, theft, adultery, because of all these things in our hearts and things that we do, we have been accumulating a debt. And again, it isn't two dollars. It isn't even a trillion. It is more than you and I could ever pay back on our own. Paul tells us the wages of sin is death. Because of the sin that we've committed, the wages that we earn is death. And our tab is getting filled up. And it is a bill that you and I could not pay off. We have sinned against a holy and perfect creator, the God of the universe. And God's word says the only appropriate way to pay the bill of sin is death. Things aren't looking too good for us right about now. We owe a spiritual debt to God. 
But rather than making us pay, God has sent his son Jesus to pay our debt in our place. Mark 10, 45 says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you look at this word ransom in the dictionary, it says this, A consideration paid or demanded for the release of someone or something from captivity. To deliver from sin, to free from captivity or punishment. Look at this, by paying a price. A ransom is something that is paid to provide the release of someone who is being held captive. This word right here implies our need to be rescued from captivity. Here is our reality. Any sin, no matter how great, no matter how small against God, puts us deeper into debt. And our condition from the fall puts us into the bondage of sin and corruption and death. And because we have disobeyed God, we have become slaves to death and sin. And the psalmist tells us here that no man can rescue himself. Psalm 49 says, Truly no man can ransom another or give God the price of his life, for the ransom of their life is costly and could never suffice. Do you see the need here? That you and I are in debt. You and I are in crippling debt. And we need some debt relief. Because our sin requires payment. Before Jesus stepped on the scene, God required atonement for our sins. Why? Because God is holy and perfect and demands holiness from his people. But you and I cannot give God full holiness because of the sin that exists within us. So throughout the Old Testament, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, God requires sacrifices. I'm not going to get too deep in because in three weeks, I'm going to just camp out right here for, for three hours on my last sermon because this is, there's so much here. But we'll just skip it this morning. And so their sins, the sins of the people would be placed onto an innocent animal that then died in their place. You may ask, why did that have to happen? Because the wages of sin is death. Sinning and breaking the law of a holy and perfect God requires payment in full. And God is just and sin cannot go unpunished. And the punishment for sinning against an eternally holy, perfect God is death. We owed God a spiritual debt. But again, rather than making us pay, God sent his son Jesus to pay our debt. Jesus pays our bill. When Jesus arrived on earth, he came as a perfect man who lived a sinless life as the son of God to pay our debts, to give his life as a ransom so that we could be set free. Christ's death paid the ransom and secured our release from the bondage to sin, but also it got us out of debt. In 1 Timothy 2, It says this, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself, what, as a ransom to free us from the debt that we have accumulated. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Look at verse 18, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That is good news right there but to save the world through him. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Our security from God's wrath towards sin is found in Christ. We are free from condemnation. We are freed in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. God canceled the payment due for our sins. And instead the payment his son Jesus provided when he died on the cross. Colossians tells us he forgave us all our sins having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. The debt that we owed God, the penalty was paid and it was purchased by the blood of Jesus as he was nailed to the cross. God desires, hear me now, to bring all things to himself, to restore all things, to unite everything and everyone to himself. But sin has stood in the way of that human rebellion to resist God and to reject his love. Because of sin, you and I have been separated from God. There is a chasm that has been created that we cannot cross on our own. Human beings, all of us, born into a sinful, fallen world, and we are all guilty of it. Anger, lust, pride, dishonesty, theft, disrespect. This exists in all of us and because of that we are opposed to God. We are hostile to him and we have been plunged into a deep pit of debt. But that is not what God wants. Hear me now. That is not what God desires. He doesn't want you to be far off. God does not want you to be distant. God does not want you living in debt. It breaks his heart when he looks upon you and he sees us living that life. He sees our wandering. He sees our sin. And he does something to draw us near. And he does so by sending his son Jesus And because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he pays the cost of sin with his life. And he is raised from the grave, conquering sin and death. And because of his riches, of his grace, we are able to be forgiven of our debt when we put our hope and faith in Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, 5 says this, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. We are forgiven. And the chasm that has separated us from God is gone. And we are now brought into a relationship with him. We are chosen. We are saved. We are adopted. We are given new identities as his children. And not only that, we are made co-heirs with Christ. And our debt is paid. So let's go to the gospel of John and and see this stated explicitly from Jesus' own mouth on the cross. Shall we? John chapter 19, it says this. Disciple John wrote this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, look at what he says. He says, it is finished. And he bows his head and gave up his spirit. 
So the word that we have translated, it is finished. The word is actually tetelestai. So look at your neighbor and say tetelestai. And tetelestai has a number of meanings. And tetelestai is actually an accounting term. Which seems interesting that Jesus would use an accounting term while he dies on the cross. And it means paid in full. Oh, come on, somebody. So, at this time, when a debt, at this time period in history, when a person had a debt and they had fully paid it off, there would be a parchment paper or a receipt that was given to them, and it would be stamped with the word, let's put it up there, and it would be stamped with tetelestai, which means the debt had been paid off in full, and that person was now free. (laughs) So Jesus is saying, on the cross, paid in full, the debt that we owed God because of our sin is forever and finally dealt with. When he says, paid in full, it is finished, he is not just saying he's doing away with sins, he is removing it as far as the east is from the west. It is finished, it is done, signed, sealed because of the blood of Jesus. It is finished. This was not the despairing cry of a helpless martyr. It was not the expression of satisfaction that the termination of his suffering had finally been complete. It was not the last gasp of a worn out life. No, it was the declaration on the part of the divine redeemer that all for which he came from heaven to earth to do was now done. That all that was needed to reveal the full character of God had now been accomplished. And that all that was required by the law before sinners could be saved had been performed right then and there. And the price of redemption has now been paid in full. Come on somebody, can we give the Lord a hand clap in this place? The righteousness required of us was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus yielded to the penalty of death and because of his obedience and because of his righteousness, we are freed from the curse of condemnation. The dominion that sin had over your life was brought to an end. Full atonement was made and the wrath of God was satisfied. We are pardoned, peace is made and redemption from our iniquity can be obtained. Can I get an amen? Jesus Paid it all. Paid in full. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we respond to this? To being free? Number one, believe and receive the sacrifice of Jesus. You must accept the sacrifice of Jesus and receive the blessing of salvation. The work has already been done. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God for eternal life is for those who believe. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's not your works. It's not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Some people in here, you are trying to pay off your spiritual debt on your own. 
You are trying to pay off your debt to God in your own strength, right? I mean, we all do it. We make our New Year's resolutions every year and then we break them by like, I mean, two weeks in. That's being generous, right? You start your one-year Bible reading plan and you get to the book of Numbers and you're like, I can't do it. I'm tapping out. I can't. These are not bad things in and of themselves. These are actually good things, but these things do not pay the debt that you owe God. They are helpful, they are profitable, but these things do not earn, these things do not maintain our salvation or our freedom. Let me tell you now, do not rely on your own works. We are to rely on the work of Jesus, believe in him, and accept his free gift of salvation. The work has already been done on the cross. It is finished. It is done. We have been ransomed by the Son. Can I get an amen? We could not earn it on our own. The debt collector showed up, and he wanted his $2, and we couldn't pay it. But it was Christ who steps in and pays the debt on our behalf if we repent and if we believe. Number two, forgive our debtors. So in the Lord's Prayer, we read part of it earlier, Jesus, Jesus teaches us how to pray. And again, he says this, and to forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now that we are debt-free, right, what do we do? We believe, we receive but now we forgive. We are now free to forgive. Look at your neighbor and say, you are free to forgive. Let's read the words of Jesus and see this explained. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 18, we'll start at verse 21. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I have to forgive him? <laughs> it's hilarious. And he's like, I don't know. Seven times, maybe? That's, that sounds reasonable, Jesus. Jesus says to him, no, I don't say it to you seven times, but 77 times. And I'm sure everybody was like, huh? So then he tells a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. So one talent is a monetary amount of about 20 years worth of wages. So this guy owes him 500 years of work. And so it says, and since he could not pay, because no person could pay that, right? His master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made, right? Give me my $2 or give me my 500 years of work. So the servant fell on his knees, obviously he can't pay this, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And it says, verse 27, and out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him of his debt. Wow. Verse 28, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarii is a day's worth of wage. So let's just roughly three months of work, finds him, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused. He has just been forgiven 500 years worth of work, trillions of dollars. And yet he's holding this guy and saying, 
you give me what you owe me. Three months worth of work. It's not even comparable. It says he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay his debt. Verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to the master what had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt, which would be impossible. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus tells the story to communicate that we owed the king, our master, an enormous debt that we could not pay off. And in his grace and in his mercy and in his love, he forgives the debt that we owed and he lets us walk free. And we're free. And then he goes on to say that if God has forgiven us of, of much, who are we not to forgive others of little? There are people in your life, yes, they have wronged you and they have hurt you. And you are still holding it over their head. They've apologized. They've asked for forgiveness. They've pleaded, but you insist on making them pay. But Jesus wants us to consider how much God has forgiven us. He has forgiven us of, of, of us in this room. He's forgiven us of adultery, theft, sexual assault, lying, abuse. The God of the universe gave you a free gift of grace, forgave you of your debt, and yet we choose not to forgive others. Jesus tells us here, if we fail to forgive others, he will not forgive us. So if we are truly in Christ, if we are truly forgiven, if we are truly debt-free, we are freed to forgive our debtors, to forgive those who have sinned against us. That is the heart of God. Lastly, what should we do in response to being set free? And I'm really getting real theological with you guys here this morning. Say thanks. Thank you. What would you do if someone has paid off your debt? Any of y'all want to pay off my student loan debt? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll run around. I'll be dancing and shouting, crying. And then just, I wouldn't even know what to do, right? It would happen if you owed a debt and someone pays it freely with no strings attached. Because you and I, we owed a debt that we could not pay back. A debt of death. But Christ took your place on the cross, suffered the penalty for your sins, paying your debt and setting you free. You are free from sin and death and you are made alive in Christ Jesus. The righteousness required of us was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus yielded to the penalty of death for you. And the dominion that sin had on your life was brought to an end and peace was made. Redemption was purchased for you. What should our response be? There are so many ways to thank God. Well, I'm, I'm usually, you guys know, I'm not usually a video guy, but I've actually got another quick video I want to show you before we wrap up. So go ahead and roll that.
we're going to put a little fuel in your bus. Now, I've got the alumni over there, and this is a challenge to you, alumni. This is my class, 2019. And my family is making a grant to eliminate their student loans. to having their debts paid look at that guy look at him look at the next group that guy at the top must have not taken out any student loans the guy with the sunglasses <laughs> but everybody else you got look at the guy next to him he's literally just yelling he's just staring up into the sky and screaming with excitement they were in disbelief because now they are debt free they have had their debts canceled can we get the other guy's face up there this should be us every morning when we wake up. That we are debt free. That we have been forgiven. We have been redeemed. That we have been saved. That the debt that we owed God has been paid and purchased by the blood of Jesus on the cross. This should be us. And unfortunately, we've taken this for granted. We come in here and we sing some songs half-heartedly. We look like the Church of the Chosen Frozen half the time. But look, <laughs> Jesus has paid your debt. And we come in here and half-heartedly sing some songs. Come on, our debt is paid. We have been set free. We have been redeemed. We have been ransomed. What should our response be? awe and wonder that Jesus has paid it all. You once were in bondage to sin. You were shackled to a massive debt. And because of the immense love of Jesus, Jesus has paid it all. Our chains are gone. Our debt is paid. The blood of Jesus has set us free. Can I get an amen in this place today?